You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with Cy Delaney, the guitarist from UK rockers Don Brocco. The conversation took place backstage at the Brightside, which is in the Valley in Brisbane, before the band went on stage. The discussion took place in, I think it was December of 2017. Here we go. All right, Cy, welcome to the show. Hey, man. London, Paris, New York, Los Angeles, Fortitude Valley. How have we been treating you? <laughs> it's been really good, man. It's been really good. We didn't realise um, that the area had such a vibe when we got to Brisbane and we landed on our feet in Fortitude Valley and we've been eating uh, great food, drinking amazing coffee, meeting cool people. It's a cool part of town. I've seen your social media posts. What's been the favourite restaurant or eating place that you've been to? Um, the favourite uh, restaurant so far... Oh, it's got to be, uh, the, is it Great Time Donuts? Good Time yeah, Donuts? On, yeah, um, in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's insane. Yeah, we had, a, we had a good good stop down there, if that counts as a restaurant. But yeah. Oh, it does, mate. It does, mate. I've frequented that many times after hours, after a few amber ales, I've got to tell you. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Tell me, you're three albums deep, if we include the new album in 2018, Technology. Tell us all about Technology. Specifically, I'm interested if there's any themes or concepts running through the album. Uh, sure. Um, as an album, it's definitely a, a reaction to our previous record, Automatic, which was super smooth and polished. Um, this one was way more kind of spontaneous and impulsive and kind of rough around the edges. Um, we tried not to overthink anything. We tried just to go into it, and if it felt good, just to commit and do it rather than kind of pick it apart which is something that we used to do with a lot of our songs um in terms of like a a general theme um lyrically there's an awful lot about uh the uh symbolism of technology and the kind of overbearing power of technology in today's society um and how dangerous that can be um it's mostly uh kind of identifying that while technology is a huge positive there are some very very dangerous um elements of it specifically in things like social media and uh We've noticed we were a generation that grew up without uh, social media, and then it came kind of halfway through, you know, two-thirds of the way through our lives. Mm -hmm. But now we're seeing a generation of people that have never lived without it, and it's definitely a a pretty scary time. (laughs) It's it's, it's shockingly scary. I tell you, I'm the father of two daughters, and my eldest daughter is four and a half. It's like she was born with an iPad in her hand. I can imagine, yeah. You know, it's something to your exact point, growing up with standard copper phone lines and all that sort of stuff, and, you know, having to call you know, you might actually get their parents first before you could get them on the phone at an appropriate time of the night. Technology's all all invasive, isn't it? So my next question would be about the album cover. I'm digging it. It's it's up there for one of the contenders of album cover of the year in 2018 because I know it's coming out next year. We're glad. So a bit of a papal dog thing going on. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, we wanted to do something that was uh, going to polarise people. Um, I'm stoked you love it. Uh, that's awesome. Like We love it. We knew that some people would hate it. And that's kind of why we really wanted to do it, because uh, we, we don't want to make people sit on the fence, whether it's with the music or whether it's with the, uh, the aesthetic and the art concept. Yeah. And the idea behind it um, was basically uh, there is this kind of uh, religious symbolism there, and there's a religious figure which is kind of making a commentary on the fact that in the world, technology has kind of uh, risen to this point where it's the new religion. Yeah. People blindly follow it. Um, and people will do anything for it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's kind of what the cover's going for, with just this kind of uh, fierce message. We loved putting the dog face in there because it was just so aggressive and it was so jarring, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's what we really wanted to convey, convey with it. Yeah, sweet. Mate, you're a foundation member of the band. 
So what I am going to say to you is congratulations on surviving since 2006 <laughs> or 2008 much. or whatever it's been, <laughs> mate. You know. So as I say, three albums, including technology, a couple of EPs and the like. What's been the secret? Because many have tried, mate, including myself, to be honest with you. And I play cover, and cover bands around the valley and Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast. But in terms of the original music scene, mate, what's the, what's the secret to your success and by that by extension, Don Brocco's ex- success? Um, the, the first secret to our success... Uh, I say success in inverted commas because it's always <laughs> like your, your definition of that changes as, as you move through your career. Yep. Um, the, the first element to any kind of longevity was we stayed at home with our parents for a long time because a lot of our friends wanted to be in bands. I was like, yo, we're going to be in a band. We're going to be four cool dudes to get a house together and you end up just fucking spending all your money on rent, working a job just to spend your money, you know, just to live. And we lived in the good graces of our parents until, you know, way past all our friends had moved out. And if we hadn't been able to do that, there's no way we could have carried on because, as anyone that's been in a band can tell you, you uh, you don't make any money. <laughs> I can definitely attest to that to the listener, yes. For real. Um, despite what people might think, you know, when they, they see a, a, a perception that you put out there on social media of this yeah. um, kind of amazing lifestyle and amazing time and amazing experiences, um, that is just one side of a, a very kind of... Uh, rich tapestry which has many threads some of which are, are quite dark <laughs> um, but also uh, the other thing the other ingredient that we had was uh, we've been best mates you know me and Matt have known each other since we were four Rob joined the school when he was ten um, you know at the core of the band there's, there's a friendship so we don't tend to like fall out and have blowouts and bust ups like we know a lot of our mates bands have had um, and we've always just wanted to always wanted to succeed you know since we started it as a as a career rather than a hobby if, if you don't make a success of it, it feels like such a waste of, of energy and time. So, yeah, we just want to keep cracking on. You play guitar. Okay? You're a very good guitarist, I might add. What got you into playing guitar? So the, this, the show that I host for my podcast is called Scars and Guitars, so I do like to focus on the, the musicianship of, of what an individual brings to the table. So, mate, tell us about your influences and what got you started playing guitar. Um, so the uh, the band who first got me into kind of guitar music in the UK were a band from Ireland called Ash, who yeah, were a yeah. kind of yeah. alternative band. Him and Weezer, yeah. yeah, for real. <laughs> um, and they were my favourite band growing up. My uh, my dad got me the Ash Chord Songbook, mm-hmm. and uh, my cousin gave me one of his old guitars, and I started playing. And so I've never had uh, lessons. I'm not uh, a master of uh, any kind of uh, technical ability, really. I've just done what always feels good. You've got great of. rhythm, though. Thanks great rhythm. Cheers, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like I can't read music or anything. I've always just gone with what feels good. Um, and then after Ash, I started listening to uh, Incubus. They were a massive uh, inspiration for me musically. Uh, like Mike from Incubus was probably a very formative um, part of my kind of guitar playing because I was just learning how to play his riffs, learning you know his kind of technique. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they were that really kind of paved my journey. Challenge. What's been the biggest challenge that you've faced in your career to date? Um, the biggest challenge... I mean, there's, there's different challenges every day. It's hard to kind of define, define one thing. Um, I think the biggest challenge for us was... Uh, on our last record, we were on a, a major label, um, which is a, a blessing and a curse. And part of the curse is... Mm that we became very frustrated with not being able to tour and release our music in foreign territories. 
So for us as a band, you know, we're, we're finally coming to Australia and we're on our, our third record. Saying, we were part of it. Yeah. This year, so this is a, I think this is the first time we're getting an actual proper release, isn't it? For real, it's what the first time we're getting a proper release. Yeah. And it's not because we didn't want to release our records in, in foreign countries, it's because um, the label don't see it as a, uh, a worthwhile thing to do because they might not think they're going to see the return quick enough or they don't want to invest the money it takes to put you in a foreign market. And so the biggest challenge, I would say, for us was the complete frustration and not being able to tour in countries where we knew people had heard of the band but we couldn't get to them. So you were with Sony, correct me if I'm wrong here, and then you went to Epic yep. and now you're with Nuclear Blast. Indeed, what, yeah. what, what's the relationship like with Nuclear Blast? It's incredible. So we're... Um, we're on a, uh, a new label within Nuclear Blast called Sharp Tone Records, um, who are based uh, out of Los Angeles. And these guys are, it's going to sound so cheesy, they're music fans. And there's a big difference between guys that work at labels and fans and who aren't, yeah. And so uh, this guy who uh, heads up Sharp Tone Records, he was playing guitar hero in America, played one of our songs, didn't know who we were, loved it, tapped up our management, and fortuitously, this came around the time that we were trying to leave Sony because of this frustration about not being able to yeah. play anywhere else that wasn't London. And, um, yeah, it all just kind of uh, all fell into place. It kind of felt like one of the the fated moments of our band's career that was like, wow, this actually worked out like this for a reason. Yeah. Um, and they're amazing. You know, they, uh, they've let us follow our creative vision, even at times where it hasn't been necessarily what they would have done. They are 100% supportive in giving us the uh, the kind of the reins to steer our own course um, and yeah it's, it's been amazing so far well I think they're smart to do that given the volume of Facebook followers you got and the fact that you're actually and this is interesting for us here you're an arena band overseas in, in Europe and in the US so I think we're very lucky to actually get you down here to play in a venue like the bright side with all due respect so oh, dude, we're stoked. You know, this is where we came from it's amazing to be doing these shows uh, any Australian bands that you're aware of that might have even been an influence over you? So, say from uh, metalcore, deathcore, and hard rock. Of course, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, what the we might have influenced or have influenced us? Yeah, either way. Actually, sure. Yeah. Okay, so uh, <laughs> one of my favourite bands of all time is In Excess. Nice. Um, so yeah, my uh, the kind of the root of my rock passion comes from a very Australian <laughs> place. A For real, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Not yeah, I uh, I love I love In Excess. You know, I watch their they're live at Wembley Stadium DVD when I was a kid yeah. and I still watch it just blows they're, my mind they're a gateway band aren't they they are a gateway they're band they're into music in general yeah. they're getting into music and it's such a, a kind of a, a rare gem to find a band who are so so fucking no holes barred rock but are so pop and there's no kind of kind of distinction between the two it's just this immaculate fusion of awesome vibe so yeah they've been a big inspiration um we really love a, a ton of Australian bands, like we're big Parkway Drive fans. Um, we've seen those guys play a ton in the UK. It's amazing to see how well they do in our market. It's incredible, mate. Because they, they, they kill it, yeah. They're down the road from me, actually, in Byron Bay. Yeah. And um, they named their band after the street that they live on. Sure. Um, and they're too, I've never met them before, but I'm friendly with a bloke who uh, has something to do with their management. And he's, they're just sports nuts. You know, if it's, not, yeah. if it's not surfing, it's golf. You know, you rarely hear them talking about music. Apparently, they're just full on into their sports. So it's sort of, it was one of those bands that just, I mean, I remember them in 2005 when they were playing in front of 20 people up here. Sure. Um, and then, I wouldn't say overnight, but in the case of five years, yeah. they just exploded, but not here. Yeah. Overseas. <laughs> Yeah, the phenomenon we have with Australian bands. I mean, I, I love watching their watch. I watched their documentary when we were starting out as a band, and we were doing the whole, you know, uh, toilet circuit venue, sleeping in the van. Oh, yeah. 
it was awesome to watch their documentary because it was like, wow, not only did these guys have the foresight to film all this stuff, which a lot of bands don't, yeah. it was like it's, it was so relatable and it just made you think, wow, if these guys can do it, then then surely you know anyone can just work hard enough and yeah. has the passion, yeah. Right. Mate, what does success look like for you and the band by extension? So thinking, is it like world domination, you know, KISS style, or is it something a bit closer to home? Um, I mean, as yeah, the goalposts are always changing. As soon as you do the thing which you think is going to define your success, you're looking at the next thing. So we always thought, wow, we'll play Brixton Academy in the UK and then we'll be, in inverted commas, a big band. Yeah. But then you do it and you realise, okay, the, the home truths of playing a show like that is all the money that you make on the show, you put into the production, you don't come away with any kind of material wealth from playing that show, it's just a stepping stone to get you to the next show. Yeah. And so you play the next show, which for us was Alexandra Palace, and it's the same thing. Mm. And success, I think for us as a band, is always going to be the point where we can actually look at it as a career where it's kind of generating some kind of income for us which sounds mental i know probably but at the moment we're still not making any money everything we make in the uk market is invested in coming overseas and so for us to look at ourselves and go wow guys we're a, we're a success i think we'd have to have that kind of stability that we see our friends who've got office jobs enjoy. Yeah. Does that sound horrendously unromantic? <laughs> but it sounds very realistic. It's, it's, yeah, it's super, super real. That's yeah, as real as it gets. But it, it sort of answers my next question, which is going to be one of my last questions, which is that when did you realise that you could do this and, and it could be the earn for you instead of going to the office job or the job that sure. sort of, yeah, you, know, you had to have a supplementary job that's on top of the music? I think that was that was about four years ago, um, where we uh, we signed our first record deal with Sony, and um, it was one of those moments where again you think when you're a kid we signed a record deal that's that's the end game and actually no it's like that's where you start working hard <laughs> and so you sign the record deal and you realise okay cool we can probably pay ourselves minimum wage for a year off this record deal but it means at least we can pay our rent, eat beans and be in a band which is the dream, because it's better than paying your rent, eating beans and going sitting at a desk, which is what a lot of our friends were doing at the time. Um, so yeah, I'd say about four years ago is the point where we realised we could actually do this as a, a career. It's not going to be a sustainable level that would see us through the rest of our lives, but it's sustainable enough for us at this age to carry on and try and make a go of it. Yeah. Mate, I really appreciate your time. Good luck with the show and congratulations on a stellar career so far. Cheers, man. Great to talk to you. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with a very fine individual, Mr. Cy Delaney from the band Don Brocco. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. Thank you.